A-N. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. All right, final hour of the show, driving you home on a Thursday. It is a busy Thursday. Sal Powell, if you missed him, joined us earlier, gave his thoughts on the hire. Also, tomorrow, Adam Kaplan will give us what he knows about how this all happened, how it all took place from inside the birds, the inside the birds guys at 4 o'clock here on the Sports Bash. Nick Sirianni is the new head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. And uh, obviously, everybody's like, okay, who's that? Who's this guy? What does that mean? It means the Eagles have hired a guy who doesn't uh, have, you know, he's not a retread, right? Doesn't have really a track record in terms of uh, calling plays because he hasn't done that before. So what do we think about this hire? 609-403-0973. 609-403-0973. That's the text board. We got anytime hotline calls that have come in. So we'll play your reaction. We'll react. You can watch us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Post your message there. We'll put it up on the screen, and we'll react to it there. Broads, you want to hear the Anytime Hotline? Should we get into that? Of course. All right, here we go. So let's start this thing off, see what the people out there think in terms of this new hire, Nick Sirianni. He is the new head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. It even sounds kind of weird to say. Two days ago, many people out there listening probably never even heard of the guy. Now he's your head coach. Anytime hotline, what say you? So Nick Sirianni's the new head coach. I got to say, I'm pretty happy about it. I think the team is making a step in the right direction by hiring this guy because, you know, he develops the players, which is just what the team needs right now. Unfortunately, the team still has a long way to go. They still need an offensive coordinator because Sirianni has never called plays. So they need to get a guy like that. They need a defensive coordinator. They need to hit on draft picks. Coaching can only go a long way. Look at the Colts uh, two years ago when they had Jacoby Brissett starting a quarterback. They couldn't get to the playoffs because quarterback, they just didn't have a guy there who could take him. So you need players. Need players that we know. Do the Eagles have the players? Can this guy come in and do what I've said? Get the offensive line healthy and back out there. Have some weapons. Rieger, uh, I don't know what they're going to do with Jackson. I, I can't really speculate on what the Jackson deal is going to do. Um, I don't know. Greg Ward, Rieger, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Do they have players? I don't think they have enough, no. And that's why this whole – Miles pers- Sanders, Dallas I mean, Goddard. They, I mean, they don't have nothing. It's not like they have literally nothing. But I think that they need a lot to but fix. you're not walking into, like, what the Giants situation was when Pat Shermer got there. They were dumpster disaster. Right. You're not walking into a Washington mess. No, not Jackson, this, right. like, Jacksonville. Like you're not getting something like that. No, you're getting. But what more. you are walking into is an older team that has talent. The problem is your talent has a high possibility of breaking down on you. Not only that, you got to make tough decisions with the salary cap still, right? I mean, you're plenty over the salary cap, so you're going to have to make some significant moves, and you might be missing some of those pieces that we're looking and at now. Some think, Broads, that that's why Howie Roseman gets to stay is because he's the one guy that can get you out of this mess and, that's and kind of navigate you out of 
the salary cap problems. And, and that's fine. I mean, we're hearing that it's possible John Dorsey had a lot of impact on this pick, right? And we don't know how it's going to play out. But my point is, if he takes care of that side of things and John Dorsey is more involved with maybe making the pick with the head coach and doing some things on draft day. Isn't that kind of what we wanted? The people who are upset with Howie is let's get him out of some draft day decisions and some personnel decisions and let him work on the money. So is is that what's happening here? Are we seeing that shift happen now? Slowly, maybe. I hope so. I, I do. Look, I, as much as I kind of, I don't want to say defend it, Roseman, I just think that people, it's like, to me, Roseman is the Brett Brown. Yeah, it's of, a perfect perfect yeah. way to explain it. I don't feel that he has as much impact for the problems as many people out there do. I think he has a hand in the problems, but he's not number one on my list as to why this team struggled this year. You know? He's yeah. on the list. He has a role. He's like Brett Brown. He's on the list. He has a role. He wasn't my main reason. I'm sorry. The caller also brought up developing. And when we had Andrew Ducheco on for Football at Four, he was running through a list of names as well that this guy helped when they were in Indianapolis and brought up a bunch. And And you also mentioned the versatility at the positions. I think that's going to be something to really look at is, you know, this guy's going to be unwilling or he's going to be willing, excuse me, to walk into all these different rooms because he has a track record of being successful in many positions. Coaching. Yeah, I like um, I like that versatility. I like the young. You know, I've seen there's a um, apparently there's a bite out here, and I haven't heard it yet. But Frank Reich, I guess, um, said something in um, in positive. I guess. Yeah, in a press conference, he was talking about him in in a good way. Yeah, can I get that um, up here? Let me see if I can get that audio and play that for everybody out there, so you can hear what Frank Reich had to say. Uh, it's not really – it, eh. John Clark of NBC Sports Philadelphia has go. it on his Twitter page. I found it. I found it. Here we go. This is um, what Frank Reich had to say about Nick Sirianni. I guess this was at the Combine last year. Take a listen. Nick, uh, we worked for three, three years together in San Diego. Uh, it didn't take me long uh, during that tenure there that I thought if I ever had this opportunity, he would be the guy I would want to be my coordinator. Um, you know, he's extremely intelligent. Uh, he's, he's very energetic, very passionate about ball. Uh, he's a great teacher, very systematic in his thinking. And just the way we see the passing game and the way we think about offensive football, very similar. And uh, very excited about having that, that we could get Nick out and, and be here with us. All right, that was Frank Reich talking about Nick Sirianni. At that time, he was, what, 36-year-old Nick Sirianni. So, you know, he said, I identified this guy as someone, if I ever got this head coaching job, he would be the guy that I would want in this position. You know how we talked about him not calling plays and maybe bringing in a veteran to help him? Well, you got to remember, Doug didn't call the plays under Andy Reid, no matter if they tried to sell you he did or not. And Frank Reich didn't call the plays here, and then he got hired over at Indianapolis. So the track record shows you You're right. he's probably going to be calling the plays, just to throw that out there. By the way, Andrew is watching on Facebook, and he wants me to give him a shout-out. Shout-out, uh, Andrew. Yeah, we're, we're I think we men of the people. I think we should make that a part of the show. Just, hey, you ask for the shout-out, and we will randomly give you the shout-out. Well, what happens when 600 people are going, bro, we 600 shout-outs. Well, then the whole four hours, we just don't even talk sports, and we just give people shout-outs? No, we pick and choose when we want to do the shout-outs. Ooh, how do we pick and choose, though? Got to listen for your chance. Okay. Got to listen for we, your name. We pick our favorites? Whatever. Andrew, shout-out. Okay, Shout-out, Andrew. It's your show. I can't tell you what to do. <laughs> 
if you want to do that. You can say it's not a great idea. <laughs> no, I love it. I'm just kidding. I'm having some fun. Um, all right, let's play another one of these anytime hotline calls and uh, hear from the people. See, it's all about the people. Keith and Hire, don't really know much about him, but he's under Frank Reich, so hopefully he can bring Carson back a little bit. Heard he's got some toughness in him, maybe accountability. And I'm interested to see who his staff is. I heard rumors maybe Antlin because he worked under him. I wouldn't mind him as an OC. I hope Deuce Staley stays. Hopefully we'll run the ball more, and this might be a good hire after all. By the way, Anthony Lynn was a running back in the NFL who's a head coach. How about that? That's one right yeah, there. Yeah, no doubt. The run game, though. People want to see more in the run game. And Have you been happy with the run game? It's not been – having someone like Miles Sanders, the fact that there's ever a game where he gets six carries, it's just so frustrating. So I think you got to run the ball more. I'm not one of those Schwimers where it's like, you know, hey, I want to see 90% of your offensive plays being runs, and I want you to use a fullback. It doesn't need to be to that level. But I definitely need a little bit more than what Doug brought to the table. Is that Yeah, I fair? don't think he ran enough, but I don't – quite frankly, I don't think uh, Sirianni's going to come in here and – give you an offset eye and now it doesn't even need to be student body right yeah it doesn't even need to be 50 50 though what was the game I think it was Arizona right weren't they down like 16 nothing against the Cardinals or something like that to start the game off it was ugly the Eagles when they played the Cardinals on the road 19 nothing 16 nothing and one of the arguments is well Doug doesn't run because he's always playing from behind he did it with Jalen Hurts they ran the ball beautifully they got right back into the game because they were constantly working the split of run pass when they were down a significant amount of points so that goes to show, like, it does work even if you are down. So I don't like the excuse that, like, oh, you're down, you have to throw it. Well, no, stick to, stick to a game plan that worked. Doug did in that moment. It helped them come back. So, you know, I, I just – I wish – the summarizer, I, I do wish that we get a little bit more in the run game because it can be beneficial. Well, they ran the ball the 10th most times in the NFL last season. That's crazy. Blows so, my mind. And there was a lot of people who thought that Frank Reich was the guy – that when wait you talking the Eagles no oh okay that's why I said the that's Colts. crazy that blows my mind the tenth I'm like what okay now that makes more sense jeez okay well there were some people that thought that when Doug got a little pass happy that Frank Reich was the guy that said hey you're 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 throwing the ball too much here right are you saying that that confirms that or well I'm saying if Sirianni has worked with Reich you know maybe he doesn't have this pass happy mentality is my point right no I would I would agree with you I would absolutely agree with you yeah if you tell me that he's going to use Miles Sanders more it'll be interesting and will Deuce be in play to rotate the running backs that's uh, the question all right uh, more anytime hotline calls here we go all right so I'm not going to try to overreact here but I'm really excited about this hire you know Nick Sirianni's from the tree of Frank Reich and honestly in a couple years time I think we could get back to the Super Bowl However, how we still here, so you really never know. Oh, there was a lot of excitement, and then it just was like, but how we still here, and you never know. How about this? Super Bowl, he said. How would you feel? Because, like, for example, when the New York Giants hired Joe Judge, right, what was the reaction? Oh, what are they doing? You know, Joe Judge, like, who is he really? If the Cowboys hired this guy, what would we be saying? Do we feel this way just because it's here in Philadelphia? I just wonder what our reactions would be if the Dallas Cowboys hired this guy. Would we mock it? I imagine, yes. I imagine that most people don't know who this guy is. And in that case, if they got hired, if he got hired, one of those teams, they hired him, Giants, Washington, Dallas, that people would be mocking them. Which is ridiculous, in my opinion. Like, we mock Joe Judge. I don't know if mock's the right word, but, you know, I, I thought that there was probably some poking fun at the Giants. And not to say that Joe Judge is some insane, outstanding, great, phenomenal coach, but you could say that he's had 
you know, decent success to this point. He's got the team playing the right way. Yeah, Joe Judge, I think, was that, what, huh? What are you doing, huh? And, look, he wasn't even a coordinator. He wasn't an offensive guy. You know, he was special, special teams. teams guy. And he was your classic, hey, CEO, I'm going to run the team. I'll get coordinators. He hired a, a veteran offensive guy in Jason Garrett. Um, you know, Graham as the defensive coach. So he brought in solid guys with him, and he was the almost drill sergeant. You know, some people like that, just that idea that the coach is nothing more than setting the culture and tone of the personality of the team. I kind of like that, though. You know, obviously they didn't go down that road, but I don't mind that philosophy at all. I think it can work as long as you're properly constructed around them. Oh, I don't mind it. But some might, though. Like John Harbaugh, he's that guy. He's not an offensive coordinator, a defensive coordinator. He was a special teams guy. And as the head coach, he gets out of the way. He's just, I make the decisions. I rah-rah the team. The team follows my personality. Greg Roman calls all the plays. I think that there are some out there, though, that don't like that, that they they prefer the head coach having that offensive mind or that defensive mind. There, There's people out there that would look down upon that, but I don't see how that's the case at all. We just talked about Doug Peterson maybe having too much on his plate. Well, it allows you to breathe a little bit and focus on some of the things. Like, I remember a press conference, right, where Doug Peterson said, you know, look, it's not just the offense not playing well. Our special teams isn't doing good enough. Our practice habits aren't very strong. Well, Doug, that falls under your umbrella because you're the head coach, and it's almost as if you're so dialed into the offense that you're not focusing on other issues with the team. Those type of coaches, they're able to take a step back and kind of look at the entire view of the squad, and, and that's where it can benefit. Yeah, there's the notion. I remember Doug's first year when people were just frustrated to no end. And the question was, look, is calling plays too much on his plate on game day? Should he just be the person who manages the game and not calls the plays? You know what I mean? And then he went from that question to winning the Super Bowl. That's wild, isn't it? Yeah, I mean. Wild. It's like we have this notion that, Everything is always going to work out the same way every year, and it's just like things. What football team, even the Patriots, throw them into this conversation? One year to the next is not the same. I mean, they were what made them so successful is they did it a variety of different ways. You know, they didn't have the same roster. They lost a lot of guys. They let people go. They basically uh, signed guys that no one really you know had. They never had superstar players there. It was just Brady and Belichick. Yeah, that yeah. was it. So hard to. It's just so hard to ever compare to the greatest dynasty ever. Do you think we'll ever see no. uh, in any sport, not even football, anything like this again? It's crazy. There's, well, yes, yes, and no. Basketball. Um. There. Well, the the Yankees can do it because they could just outspend everybody. Um, which. I don't know how I always I don't know how it's fun. It wouldn't even be as team. powerful of a statement though because of that. You know what I mean? Like even if they go on a run, no salary cap in baseball, right? The fact that the Patriots have been able to do it in a salary cap league, you know, the Yankees have this unfair built-in advantage of being in the biggest market with the most money in a sport that doesn't limit spending. So that's what I said. I don't I don't see the joy of being a fan of that. Like well, if just you're a Yankees fan. 
aren't you just bored of like the fact that you have a built-in advantage? Like no, this? because they don't win. So it's not like they're not. It would be different if they were winning, and they got be like, oh, that's boring because you can just win because you can spend more. But they're not winning, so it's frustrating to them. Yeah, but you go into every year pretty much a playoff team. Oh, for sure. The fact that you don't win. Although in the playoffs, Toronto could be squeaking in there after those deals. George Any time the Yankees lose, and I don't care about injury or any other factor. It is a total, utter failure and embarrassment. Well, they took a shot on Kluber. Let's see how that works out. Yeah, I like that shot. I yeah. like those kind of shots. Yeah. Hey, I'm willing to take the shot on the guy who was great, got hurt, and nobody else wants him. I get him for the cheap. They got it for $11 million. Yeah, but it's short-term. You know, obviously it's not anything Them, crazy. The, the Lakers. The Lakers could be the Patriots. Yeah, but would ba- see, here's another thing. Like, will basketball Spurs ever were essentially have- the Patriots. But basketball- the Spurs were the Patriots. They always have. Basketball, throughout the history of the sport, has that team that dominates yeah, for a Spurs long period of time. Yeah, but the Spurs did it for about 20 years. That's true. They did it for literally the entire Duncan era. He played 20 years. I but, mean, but I just feel because it's football. And they won football. championships. It's football, though. No one ever but does it But there's a salary cap in basketball, too. I know, but it's but every well, you asked if any other team, I know, in any I, other sport. I don't know if basketball has the same power because in every era, there's always a team or a player that dominates for an X amount of time because it's the nature of how the game is played. Even if someone goes on a run similar in terms of years in the sport of basketball to football, I don't know if it has the same impact. Well, no, because football is football. Right. So you're right about that. But if you're saying another team that can just have sustained success where every sentence you bring up has to be, well, except for the Patriots. Yeah, you can say that with the Spurs. I'll give you that They're one. very close. They had a long 20-year-plus run of success where they made the playoffs every single year. They have the coach who's been there the whole time, and they had the great player that was with that coach. How about this? The Red Wings. The Red Wings went on that insane run of not missing the playoffs in 20-plus years. They were constantly in the playoffs. Is that a big enough run to kind of – it doesn't spark as much as the other ones do, huh? Obviously not. Yeah. No, I think the St. Louis Blues, by the way, had a humo- like a insanely long playoff run that was just snapped like recently. Yeah, and 20, then they- that was it was tied by the Wings. They were at 25 years. Red Wings were 25 Different, years. Different, though, making the playoffs in the NBA and the NHL. Definitely. But the Spurs were not only making the playoffs, they were a legitimate title contender throughout all that. Yeah. Imagine making the playoffs 25 straight years. 25 straight in the NHL. Like, wow. Not missing it once. Damn. Flyers hockey. Back tonight, well, 7 the o'clock. Flyers made the playoffs for a long, long, long run, too. And then when they did it that one time, it was almost like, what? And then they had a couple of years where they're in and out and in and out. But making the playoffs in hockey is pretty. I mean, no, it's not. It's not easy to make well, the playoffs. Well, not anymore the way they have it set up. Right. You know, where it's like they take the top three in the division. Yeah, I don't, no, I don't think it's like the NBA, though. It's harder to make the playoffs in hockey than the NBA. I'll go that they're far. the same. No, it's not the same. There's eight teams get in in both divisions. Yeah, but it's, it's it's harder, though, because NBA regular season compared to NHL regular season is a different type of intensity. I would think that both of them have similar intensity to the difference of the playoff games. Like, the NBA regular season games are a big step down from playoff atmosphere. Same in the NHL. 
there's a difference, but I don't think it's a, as big as the NBA. Like, you don't get the whole, like, hey, I'm taking the night off in the NHL. Like, the guys just approach the season differently. Yeah, why don't they load manage in the in hockey? You, they just don't have that. You'll have guys playing with all sorts of in broken ribs, this and that. Like, they just play through anything. Yeah. They don't They don't look at it that way. It's right. A couple more anytime insane. hotline calls. You know, I've got to say, I've been watching videos of Nick Sirianni break down his play calls, or not the play calls, but the play design and the scheme. And I really f***ing like this hire. I really think that when you look at the way he likes the game and getting guys in space, I think that this is really good news for guys like Raker and Greg Ward. I'm really excited about this one, guys. Go Birds. So I think if you do a little research on Nick Sirianni, put it this way, if you take the time, this is with everything, if you take the time to do a little digging, a little research, read everything. Don't just read the stuff that makes you feel good about your point. Find other points and then constructively think about them. I think you're going to feel good about Nick Sirianni and what he will bring to this team. Absolutely. Whereas yeah. Josh McDaniels, you would be clouded by his past transgressions in terms of leaving Indianapolis, getting thrown out of Denver. And then on the other side, that he had all this success with Tom Brady. But was it just because of Brady? Hard to kind of get my finger on what I think of McDaniels, other than just a lot of people around the league saying he's a really good coach, a really smart guy. I don't know. Sure, and there were a lot of red flags for him, and here you don't have as many red flags in terms of, you know, dumpster fire things that happened in his, in his past. I think the best way to describe it right now as we sit here on the first day, three hours after the news dropped is, there's plenty of room to be intrigued, right? I mean, like, there's there's a lot of reasons to be intrigued by this hire, and let's see how the staff plays out, and that's going to be a, a big difference maker on how we feel. But intrigued should be the word to describe our feeling because, uh, look, there's a, there's some upside here for sure. All right, let's hear another uh, anytime hotline. Hey, this message is for uh, Mike Gill. Coaches come and go all the time. Offensive coordinators come and go all the time. Unless you Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. <laughs> So whether it's Frank Reich or Nick Sirianni, you know, it got to be up to Carson Wentz. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, like, he got to make those throws. <laughs> Nick Sirianni, Doug Peterson is not on the field. Carson Wentz is on the field. <laughs> he got to work on those mechanics. I know one thing about Kobe. If he didn't make that buzzer beater, he'd be spending, like, 45 minutes an hour after the game trying to work on that shot. You know what I mean? It's up to the players sometimes. They ain't always up to the coach. But I hope you can hear this, and I love your show. Um you got to stay blessed. I'll do my best at that. Was he taking a shot at you, though? No, I, 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 don't, I, I don't know why he was specifically just addressing me as you're, opposed yeah, to – Yeah, you're very pro-player over coach. Yeah. So I'm a little confused. Like, um, yeah, I agree but with no, what you, he But, no, you did make the point before, though, that – and maybe this is – maybe he heard it. It's so hard to find a head coach that wins – and you like that's how, one of the things you said about Doug is like you know you can find a quarterback easier than a head coach is is that one of a is that a take we that talked I about you the other day about more head coaches less head coaches have won Super Bowls than I would imagine he's tying that into what you said the other day about you know it's harder to find a head coach that has won a Super Bowl and you went down the list so I I mean I'm just trying to piece it together here. Uh, here's an interesting question that comes up. Alan A is watching us on YouTube. Any chance you could see a scenario where the Eagles trade Wentz for Watson? I think that chance is slim and none. I agree with you. Would you if you could? Sure. Okay. I'd be a jackass not to do that. 
Well, I think uh, this is my my personal opinion, though. You get Deshaun Watson in here, guess what? All these Eagles fans, they're going to nitpick him, bitch and complain about him, get upset with him. Like, it's anything. No matter, You're just, it's the new shiny toy. And that's not to say Watson's bad by any means, but I just know what would happen. You don't watch Watson the same way you watch Wentz. So when Watson struggles and when Watson misses throws and when Watson does this and when Watson does that, yeah. you're going to complain just as much as you did about Wentz. I got a text message I want to address here. Uh-oh. Gentleman says, why is no one talking about Josh the other day continuously calling Deuce Staley Deuce Stanley? What? I did address it, and he's done it multiple times. And I texted him. I said, the gentleman's name that you're referring to is Deuce Staley. And then he fixed it, and then the very next day, he went right back to Stanley. Now, Josh, why do you do that? I mean, I will say certain people get certain names that they mess up, and then they constantly, it's just in their head. Like most used to call Jameis Winston, Jamius Winston. And when I brought it up to him, it was like he couldn't correct himself because he was so ingrained. But Deuce Staley, I think, is very well known. And it is very like Jameis Winston doesn't play in this market. Deuce Staley has been a running back here. He's been a coach here. And he's a very popular player here. At no point that I have ever heard anybody call him Deuce Stanley. It's funny that the gentleman asking that question spelled Deuce wrong. Oh, that's great. You no, got a lot of people who yeah. do spell the deuce name. Yeah, right. but look, if you're going to try and critique someone on, you know, not saying the right name, you got to follow up properly. But go ahead, Josh. First of all, I want to verify, Mike Gill has corrected me off the air about this. I did. I, t- I said so his this, name this, so is Mike, Mike isn't making this up. I second said of his all, name is Deuce Staley, not Stanley. Second of all, the text board is open. My Twitter feed is open for everybody else to criticize me. Why wasn't this guy ever texting in when I was on the air making the mistake? Why is he text Mike Gill at 520 on a Thursday? What, is he scared of me? Wow, maybe he sees him in the gym. But here's the thing. If you go to the gym to go fight Josh, he might have some broccoli taped to his knees, and then he might not actually accept the fight. So that's where we have an issue. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You just gave this visual of a guy running around the gym with broccoli. Well, I mean, you're calling knees. people out, but you're also putting broccoli on your knees. So I don't really know how to. And calling Deuce Staley. Yeah, Deuce Staley. I, I don't know what to do I with this information. I don't know what the broccoli has to do with the guy not calling me well, out. Well, you know, you're, you're telling the guys, hey, come at. You're essentially going, come at me, bro, but you have broccoli taped to your knees. What's wrong I don't, with that? Well, I mean, it's a soft look. McCormick said he supported it. Yeah, that's crazy. crazy. McCormick said. He too has bad knees, and he can, he can. Uh, How about these? What's up with these young guys with the bad knees? Coming from the youngest guy in the room, and I have bad knees. Yeah, but you I don't, don't wear broccoli on your knees. That's correct. I just battle through. Osgood Slaughter's not fun. Joey D is watching on Facebook. He says, "Broads, nice Jimi Hendrix look." Thanks. He also said, "Josh, your haircut is excellent." With a thumbs up emoji. You actually, he gave us the three. Hand triple. The triple. okay sign. Yeah, Sports the okay best. sign. Is brought to you by WinBet. It's arrived in New Jersey. Download BetWin. Go to winbet.com. Sign up and start winning today. Keith Smith talks NBA with us next. It's Sixers basketball tomorrow on 97.3 ESPN with the voice of the 76ers, Tom McGinnis, calling all the exciting play-by-play action. He's been able to make the plays down the stretch. by play home of Flyers hockey.
At 5.32, we'll continue on. Don't forget, game night tonight. Josh has got uh, Kevin Durso with a preview of tonight's Flyers-Bruins game. Sixers played Boston last night. A lot different outcome than those playoff games. Absolutely. Also, UFC this weekend. And new users on DraftKings can bet $1 on Conor McGregor to win by knockout in the first round. And if he does, you'll be cashing out $257. Bet a little, win a lot. It's that simple. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use promo code 973. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey-only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, let's look back at that and some of the things that Keith Smith, Yahoo Sports NBA, saw from the Sixers. And, of course, uh, they played Boston last night. Keith, you know Boston very well. They swept the Sixers. What did you see different about this Sixer team uh, and maybe the way – I know no Tatum makes it a little difficult. Sixers had no Curry. But uh, what did you see about that game last night that maybe showed that – you know, these teams were different than the ones that met in that playoff series last year that was dominated by Boston. Yeah, I think the, the biggest difference was Joel Embiid. He was absolutely a monster, you know, and I think the biggest thing with Embiid is he's clearly committed himself to getting into shape this year, being able to play deeper in the games. I think Doc Rivers is doing a really good job spotting when he needs a break. When he starts playing three-point line to three-point line, you know, it's time to take the big fella out for a few minutes and let him get a rest. And he's not riding him, you know, uh, for longer stretches. He, he's kind of coming, uh, you know, going hard for six, seven minutes, and he'll come out for a few minutes, and he'll go back in and go hard again. And I think that's really working for them. He was the biggest difference, and he was an absolute monster in that one. Yeah, and, uh, you know, obviously Boston doesn't have a whole heck of a lot to figure that out, but they haven't in the past either, and they've been able to figure out a way to kind of stop him. Why was last night different? Is it just a better Embiid, in your opinion? Yeah, he gets a better Embiid. He didn't. What he's done in the past against the Celtics, uh, especially the last couple years, is he will play big to start games in the first quarter or so. And then as he gets into the second half, especially, he starts to wear down. And they're content to just let it. If he wants to take 10, 15, three-pointers, go ahead. You know, live out there. And he is not doing that now. Now he's getting down inside. He was forcing the issue all night, drawing fouls. There were a couple questionable ones, but for the most part, they were pretty good calls. You know, and that, that's going to happen when you've got that guy. And they did a good job playing through him all night long, especially down the stretch. And he's become such a good free throw shooter now that's probably the best play they have is throw it to him in the post and let him go to work yeah i was going to ask you what your thoughts were on the free throw disparity i think i saw you tweeting a little bit last night yeah i mean it's a little crazy when it was what was it 46 to 20 or whatever the fi final was that's a little you know absurd i don't have a problem with with the Embiid ones there were a couple uh especially kemba walker was already up in the air in a shot motion when he got fouled, and then they ruled it on the floor. I know they're trying to eliminate that kind of garbage stuff. A lot, a lot of the drawn attention with the Trey Young uh, issues earlier this season. So, so I get that part of it. But, but the, yeah, that was there, and I felt like it, there was a point in, ga in the game both ways where they just started calling all these touch fouls, and it was like, well, what are we doing here? You know, nobody wants to see that. You know, let these guys. Play, let them bang bodies. That's what we want to see between these two teams. So yeah, it was it was it was a little you know different. And Philly's always going to shoot more because they they play inside more than Boston does. Take the Celtics take a lot of jumpers, but yeah, oh, well over double is that's starting to get a little bit much. All right, Keith Smith, Yahoo Sports covers the NBA, and uh, I want to get your take on what you saw from Ben Simmons because Keith, 
Uh, he's been uh, criticized a lot here recently. His offensive game, you know, he was criticized under Brett Brown that Brett couldn't get enough out of him. He, Doc's getting less out of him, but he doesn't seem to care. He doesn't sit there and say, we need more offense. So I wrote an article recently about, look, hey, it's time to alter your expectations of Ben Simmons. Look, he's just not a scorer, but you can still win with this great player who does all these other things. What kind of impact do you think he had in that game last night? Because, Keith, you know, we've seen it. Uh, Stevens has taken him out of games uh, in the past, and it has really hurt the Sixers. It didn't hurt him as much last night. Yeah, I think what you saw with the Celtics last night was they went through periods where they just they it was almost like they didn't they pretended like it wasn't even on the floor unless he had the ball and that that's a problem. You can't just let it be him, you know, roaming around out there without anybody, um, you know, really getting up into him and those kind of things. That that's a huge issue. You cannot have that. Um, you know, I but I'm with you. I think it is time to readjust your expectations. Hey, well, what I think it is now is. He's almost kind of become your classic pure point guard where he's going to set up your offense. He's going to run it, but he's not going to do a lot of scoring. He's not going to do a lot of shooting, but he will play defense. Yeah, I thought he was bad last night all the way until there was about five minutes left when he came in. Then he made a bunch of defensive plays. He got on the boards, and he was really content to hey, get it up the floor, get it into a bead. Yo, and then I'm going to go drift and do whatever it is I do. And I think that was good. But, yeah, there, there are times when I look at it in a playoff series, you can see how teams are going to say, fine, man, you, you want to sit there in the corner without the ball? We'll play five on four you know, the whole way. You, you just hang out out there. Yeah, you mentioned playing traditional point guard to get the other guys going. I question, because of the spacing in the playoffs, can you do that? You know, like, can you have this guy – who can't shoot the ball, bring the ball up the floor when everything's slowed down. So this is sort of my question of the week. And I know this has been asked before, but if he's off the ball and you bring in a primary ball handler like Shake Milton and maybe Tobias plays the three, is that a better option? Yeah, I don't know that it is. I think you got to have him involved. You know, maybe he doesn't bring it up and set the initial action, but I do like the, they don't do it a lot, but when they use him as a screener and then he can get the ball on the short roll and make passes off of those plays and those kind of things, I think those work out really well for them. So I'd like to see them maybe do a little bit more of that, uh, utilize him in that, that fashion because I think that's where he can be really effective. But, yeah, you can't you can't bring in somebody you – know, remember back when everybody was like, they should trade for Chris Paul? Well, that was never going to work because Chris Paul's going to have the ball all the time. And now you're really playing four on five because Simmons is just going to be hanging out, and that's not something you want to have at all. you got to have him involved, whether he's the primary ball handler or not. Yeah, Keith Smith from Yahoo Sports covers the NBA. And, uh, you know, one of the things I had mentioned in the article that I wrote was, hey, you got uh, Embiid. He's kind of your Jordan. I'm not comparing them as players. You got (laughs) Ben Simmons, who might be your Rodman, your Hall of Fame-level do-it-all guy. The Sixers need a Pippen, right? We got to stop hoping that Simmons becomes Pippen. Is it Harris? Can it be Seth Curry? Or do they need to make that trade to go get their Pippen? Yeah, as good as Harris and Curry are playing, I don't think they're the third best team or a second best player on a championship level team. They're good players, you know, but they should be your third, fourth, fifth best guys. And that's where you're hoping Simmons is, you know, maybe he's your third guy and and you go get that other guy, or do you move Simmons in a deal eventually to go get that guy? And I know there was a lot of talk 
about James Harden and those kind of things and before he got traded to the Nets, I think they were right to walk away. It was too much. They, 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 it was, you know, when it was Simmons and Maxey and Thibel and Picks and some combination of that, that was too much. If it was Simmons and something else, all right, then I think I'll see the other way. So I'm not sure what it is, but I don't think this roster, if they're going to get to true title contention, I don't think this is the final version of what they're going to be. Which leads us to uh, what you wrote at yahoo.com. The uh, article is up. You can check it out. Yahoo Sports, Keith Smith at Keith Smith NBA. Which stars are likely to be moved next? And which of these guys would fit what Philly is looking for? Uh, yeah, Bradley Beal would be the first guy on that list. You know, Bradley Beal will fit just about anywhere. I know that is the minute the Harden trade was done. I know there were about seven teams that said, all right, well, Bradley Beal, is that where we should go? And fans immediately went that direction and everything else because he's very good. He fits very easily because he can play on and off the ball. And he's also been on a team that has been very poor for several years running now. So assumption is he'll be next to go. Um, so, you know, that's the guy I think, you know, if you, if you were going to go. Now, that is a deal where I'd give up Simmons and plus. Um, because Beal's younger, I think he's a better fit with Joel Embiid than James Harden would have been. And, you know, as long as you're keeping Tobias Harris, he needs touches and those kind of things. I think Beal fits, you know, phenomenally with this group. So if that's the direction you're going to go, you get Beal, you get a kind of plug-and-play veteran point guard in there, and you're, you're probably right there in that mix to make the finals. You also included Ben Simmons on that list. And I'll ask you, Keith, is Beal – I, I would agree with you that Beal's one guy I would move Simmons for, but how many other guys are available that you would be willing to move Ben Simmons to get in return? Yeah. Today, it's very, very few. Um, you know, and even right now, Beal's not even really available. He keeps saying he doesn't want to go anywhere. They're saying he doesn't want to go anywhere. We're two months from the trade deadline, so let's see which teams – fall out between now and then, and then we'll have a better idea of who's actually available. Challenge is going to be, this year's going to be tough for buyers, because the sellers are going to be able to really demand a lot, because what they're going to be looking at is, I only got to get to 10 to be in the play mix. So that means if I'm 12 or 13, but I'm only a couple games out, I'm still in this thing, and that, that's going to be hard. You're not going to have all those um, you know, teams, you're not going to have seven, eight teams at the trade deadline that know, all right, my season's over, we're out of this thing. Let's start selling off pieces. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. And you're right, Keith. It's very early. And I want to get your opinion on this because I know last night you didn't get to see the Sixers with Curry or Simmons with Curry, but how that alters the way that their offense looks by just having him, and it alters the way that Simmons impacts the game. Yeah, big time. Well, when they have him, it's very different because what that does is it opens up the floor. When you have him and Danny Green, and Danny Green, despite even when he's not shooting well, he's still a respected shooter. So teams are still closing out to him tight. Tobias Harris, who's having his best season I think he's ever had, and is playing fantastic. And then at beat eating up everything in the paint. What that does for Simmons is that opens up the floor because then you can't help, you can't pinch on him on those drives. What he has to do, though, which he didn't do against Boston last night, which was driving me insane, was when you're in the paint against Jeff T or Peyton Pritchard and you're passing out to guys out at the arc, 
that can't happen. He's got to force those looks off. He's got to go up strong over those guys. That can't happen. And that's when you have Curry, that floor opens up, and he should be able to be a much more effective attacker off the dribble because even when teams back off him and say, hey, we'll let you take the jumper, he's still so big and so strong, he can still force his way into the paint and get to the rim, even with guys playing off him. What do you think went wrong for the Celtics to only score 17 points in the fourth quarter? Now, clearly Tatum and a healthier Kemba Walker is a different factor, but, you know, things definitely got tough for them. Yeah, Philly locked in, especially those last five minutes or so. Um, they, they were really dialed in defensively. There, there was no uh, lapses. There, there was the one, um, I want to say it was Peyton Pritchard, got the one wide open three that, you know, we'll, we'll had that gone down. It might have, you know, game may have played out differently but they really did a good job they were connected their switches were on point they, they were all over everything and then Embiid was really kind of owning you know everything inside and around the paint so that was tough for the Celtics side Kemba Walker still finding his rhythm Brad Stevens because I think knowing it was going to be such a close game didn't play him to start the second half and then brought him in late in the, the, the third quarter and then played him deeper into the fourth quarter because he's working under this 20 to 22 minute minute restriction. That'll go up to about 28, which will allow for a more normal substitution pattern. But that, that you know, what it was, there was a lot of focus on Jalen Brown and that, you know, put Marcus Smart in that awesome offensive creator spot. And that, that's going to be tough for Boston. Smart did a good job. He really kind of kept them in the game. But, but, yeah, they, they need the other guys to be there and in rhythm against the defense as good as Philadelphia's. Uh, Keith, are you intrigued to see what Boston counters with Friday night? This is the interesting part about playing these two-game series is, all right, we tried this on Wednesday. Let's see what happens if we do this on Thursday or Friday. Yeah, yeah it's fun. It's almost like the playoffs here. It's a little mini playoff series. Um, the one thing is Brad Stevens is never going to show you everything because I think he knows there's a good chance they're going to see this team again come, come playoff time. So he's definitely not going to show you everything he wants to do. He'll, he'll hold back a little bit. But, yeah, the Celtics announced this afternoon they're not going to have Jason Tatum. So, you know, they're, they're going to be down him again. But, but, yeah, I would expect a little different tweak in how they defend him. Uh, Daniel Tice hinted at that uh, post game that they got to keep him from getting the um, that, that needs to be the first. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see some fronting, maybe a little bit more aggressive doubling, which that's, Embiid's got better handling the doubles, but that's some, somewhere where you can still make a little bit of hay, especially if Simmons is there, if you can force that ball to be swung to him. So, yeah, I think they'll change those coverages up a little bit. And then I think they'll run more pick and roll at Embiid. It was successful when they did it, but they didn't run a lot of it uh, early, except for early in the game. So I think you'll do a lot more of that to try to wear them out late in the game. Uh, he's Keith Smith at Keith Smith NBA, and of course uh, we'll have Sixers and Celtics Friday night right here on 97.3 ESPN. Check out his work at Yahoo Sports, and of course uh, every Thursday we'll talk NBA. A lot of Sixers Celtics because those are the two teams matching up, and he like all guests appeared via the Boardwalk Honda Hotline. All right, Keith, good to see you, man. Very appreciate, it. yeah, bro, bro. I like the flowing locks, man. I, I don't have that, so I have to rock the hat. Oh, did you go to Boston College, by the way? Did yeah, I'm a BC. You know, kind of. I finished out school there. Okay, yeah. No, I got a couple friends that played uh, hockey there growing up. So nice. uh, yeah. great school, man. Eagles. Yeah, Score. absolutely. Thanks for the love with the flow, though. You know, I've been getting criticized. It's getting a little long. It's like no, no, no. This is what it needs to be. Yeah, but mine's getting a little long. It just gets curly in the back. That's good. You yeah, need well, that. Well, Joey D says nice Jimi Hendrix look. Uh, he wants uh, to give you the shout out there. Yeah, yeah. All right, Keith. We'll catch up with you, man. 
Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Y'all stay safe. You and yours. You do the same. Keith Smith, like all guests, appeared via the Boardwalk Honda Hotline. When we come back, we got tonight's five to close out the show. And Josh has game night tonight. And uh, Durso, 620. Stick around. This is The Bash on 97.3 ESPN. Live on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. It's Philadelphia Flyers hockey tonight on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile app with Tim Saunders and Steve Coates calling all the play-by-play action. Oh, big save by Carter Hart. The Flyers are in Boston to face the Bruins. Coverage begins at 7 p.m. It's Philadelphia Flyers hockey on the radio home of the Flyers. All right, time for five questions. Get ready to wrap up the show tonight at Mike Gill Show on Twitter. Follow me there at Broads81. What do we got? All right, we're going to go all flyers here for the game tonight, all right? Will Bunneman record a point? No. Come on. Have some optimism. Carter Hart, over, under, one and a half goals allowed. Um, Going to go over. Okay. Not his fault, though. Okay. Oh. Defensive breakdowns. Yeah. I mean, Turnovers. Bunneman's playing. But, oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Will the Flyers kill off every penalty? Yes. Yes, indeed they will. Travis Konecki, does he score a bingo? Nah. No bingo for TK. No, but um, I'm going to go with a goal tonight for Kevin Hayes. Hazy getting on the board. Maybe on the penalty kill, a little shorty. I'm being a little wishful thinking What's over the, here. What, the, what are the odds on that? I don't know. It's a great question. Maybe I can look that up while I ask you the last uh, last one here. Do the Flyers get the victory against Boston for a nice 4-1 start to the season? Um, I would think so, yes, because Carter Hart can't look like this two games in a row. So I got Flyers. I know it's on the road tonight, right? Yes, it is. Their first road game. So I got Flyers winning tonight. Carter Hart, I'm going to go a little 4-2 bingo. I like Biscuit that. in the basket for Kevin Hayes and another ripper in there for, let me go, Ivan Provorov with a slappy dappy from the old blue. Wow. Now I'm trying to find, I don't even know if you can bet on someone to score a shorty. You can score them to score the goal, but in terms of a shorty, I can't find that option. That's astronomical. Is, is it? Just to bet on saying they're going to score a short-handed goal? For a specific player to score one? You think that's crazy for them to have or not have? Just, uh, no. Uh, who the hell is going into a game thinking you're going to score a short-handed goal? Well, maybe the, if the odds are big enough How many enough times does a team score a short-handed goal during the course of a season? That's a great question. I, I honestly, like, don't know off the top of my head the number that it would be. Like, it's it's... It it's happens. Like, it's like getting a safety in football. No, a little bit more than that. A little yeah, bit more than I'm that. I'm saying, like, it's the, alt- it's the equivalent of, like, getting an onside's kick. No, uh, more than that. I agree. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> I'm trying to find stuff that is rare in the sport. A, a shorthanded goal is one of the rarest things to happen. I'm How trying to figure it out. goals now, is a team score in a I'm trying, to, fi- I'm trying okay. to Google. My guess would be in an 82-game slate, I'm giving you eight. 
by most shorthanded goals by a team in one year. Let's just see what that what that brings up. On average, I'm going to say about eight per team. Well, I mean, it, it would be nice if Google actually participated. All with right, us. well, we'll have to find that out for you tomorrow. Two in one period was the most ever by the Toronto Maple Leafs in 1947. Yeah, rare. Game night's up next. Kevin Durso joins Josh at 620. Maybe Durso's listening and knows the answer. (laughs) Oh, he'll know it. Thanks to all our guests today. For Broads, I'm Mike Gill. Josh has game night up next right here on the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. South Jersey's favorite sports show, The Sports Bash with Mike Gill, now has a podcast. You can listen to full episodes of your favorite segments, interviews, and more, like Football at Four, Ask Mike and Bros, and more, whenever you want, wherever you want. Miss that big interview or reaction to breaking news?